1: Fans, Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Wednesday. We are getting through the final week of USC Spring Football 2021. We're going to talk all about it, what she's seen out there on practices on Howard Jones Field with Keely you follow on Twitter at Keely is my name. Only two practices left, and then they're off for the summer. They'll do all the offseason workouts, the PRPs, those player run practices getting ready for USC fall camp and, of course, that highly anticipated 2021 season. If you have any questions or comments for us, you can email us, podcast at uscfootball.com. That's the email address, and we got a bunch of emails to get to today. You can also leave us a voicemail or shoot us a text. We've got a voicemail to play for you a little bit later on. 424-254-9141 is the number. If you want to get a question up right at the top of the show, go to your Apple Podcasting app on your iPhone or your Mac computer, please follow us on the Parastyle podcast. Leave us a five star rating, but any kind of questions, comments, or feedbacks you put up there, we will read it right at the top of the show because that's what Keely Or does. She's so good at this. She's always on her phone. She knows what's going on. I have an iPhone now. I still can't find where this stuff is, but <laughs> welcome in, Keely. How are you doing?
2: Hello, hello, Ryan. Doing well. I think I'm doing better than you right now. You are post vaccine, so you're hanging in there. I'm proud of you, but I think I'm doing better than you right now. <laughs>
1: you're like, which is, I don't want to, you know, how the sausage is made. Typically not the case. Like, you know, there's, there's always some little ailment or something <laughs> Keely's got going on. Right.
2: The roles are reversed today, but
1: uh, yeah, I got my second shot yesterday and Moderna and I felt fine. I, I got it in the evening. I had a volleyball league that night and I played, maybe that wasn't that smart. I do a lot of not smart things, Keely, as you know.
2: I do know this. But, hey, you're moving your arm. That's what the CDC recommends. So I did the left go. shoulder.
1: I did I didn't do the right. I did the left. <laughs> Never mind. Well, but you still move it, like you're sitting sure. and do all that kind of stuff. Uh, but then I woke up this morning and sort of felt kind of crappy. Not like – I didn't have a fever. Um, sort of like a, not a weird headache, but like kind of fatigued. Um, so I don't know. But I was like uh, – so I canceled some things I was doing this morning just to like kind of chill. Yeah, but I wanted to come and do the show with you, but if I pass out, that's a problem.
2: If you hear a large thud, that's probably what happened.
1: Yeah, but I think (laughs) I've heard other. I've heard some people that like they were impacted like two days later or something. Chris
2: was down and out this week. He so he got the second. He got the second one. He was down and out. Oh, because I think you had it. That's why I think you're not as bad. I think if you
1: had it, you're supposed to make it worse.
2: Oh, then I don't know what I'm. Yeah, I think
1: so. I might like in. I guess it was January. 2019, I had like a horrible fever, like 103 for like a 2020. day. 2020. Was that 2020? Yeah, January 2020,
2: okay, you were really sick. Oh, that was
1: 2020, yeah. But uh, I never had the you know, the taste or the smell thing. I don't know.
2: We'll see. I don't think anyone cares anymore. <laughs>
1: I'm really looking forward to, so I give blood every, um, I do the double red, so I do every four months. So you can do, they take like uh, some of the stuff, they take like the red cells out and then they put some of your plasma stuff back in. It's like a, a two-step process. They take stuff out, put some in. Goes back and forth, but they can take twice as much. And then, but you don't give, you can't give every two months, you give every four. Okay. But when I give, I think it's in July, I want to see um, the anti, because they test for antibodies oh, at the American Red Cross. Go. So I want to see like positive for antibodies. I'm like, yeah, dude, got the shot. All right. There you go. And two shots. But well done. I don't know. Sorry. That was, that's your vaccine talk. So I uh, apologize if you hate the vaccine or vaccine whatever. Vaccine tangent. Yeah. But I decided to get it. You know, I'm 50. What? Uh, yeah, no, I can't believe I'm 50 years old. But yes, got the shot, and uh, we'll see. My arm is sore, but everything else, it's all right. I just don't I don't feel amazing. So if I'm a little off my game today, my apologies. Um, okay. And we'll see. Maybe there's some reviews that are like a precursor to me being off my game. Maybe they knew that I was off my game today.
2: Well, who knows? But we did get two new reviews. Okay. Uh, we got like yeah. Diamond Hand Dan left us a five-star review that said great stuff. I don't know if I agree with him, but he says Keeley carries the whole pod. So thank you. I don't think that's accurate, but thank you nonetheless.
1: I would, th- you know, we got, a, we got an email that seemed to indicate that too. So maybe that's... <laughs> We're not
2: reading that one. Okay. It's, you know, everyone has their opinions. That's yeah. fine. Uh, David from Behind the Orange Curtain left us a five-star review. He said, the best. This has been my go-to site for USC football since 2002 none better full stop ryan and his team of coach keely shotgun and gerard are the best good honest information with that said stock up you can never replace dan but chris is a good addition to the team even though i don't get all of his jokes it's an age thing i guess stock neutral food analogies and yes arguments about stock neutral shotgun in the grander scheme let it go thank you dave or david sorry uh and then he says stock down singing stick with your day jobs guys i agree i don't like the hurt it on the sidelines intro <laughs> song i never approved that to be the intro Song, but it is what it is. So
1: well, yes. I was a fan of uh, the family feud over there. I like Thank it. you,
2: David. is did. Uh,
1: did he say full stop that is a, as his name? Full as stop in there? Or it, it was in the review. It said, so yes. Yeah. So he's a poster. He's been posting on the peristyle for quite a while. Yes. I do the,
2: recognize that. Yeah. Name.
1: By the name full stop. So he's been, he's an OG as far I mean, OG. almost 20 years, like crazy. He said
2: t- 2002. Yeah. Thank you. Second uh, grade, David. D- <laughs>
1: I was not but thank you David for uh, for the awesome review. thanks everyone for your really uh, we appreciate those because yeah. they definitely help a lot and uh, I want to thank our sponsor Trader Joe's before we roll into our spring football content. Uh, I wanted we didn't get to do the show last week. Uh, I wanted to tell you guys about the great grilled cheese contest at Trader Joe's if you want to come up with your own grilled cheese sandwiches. Unfortunately, it's now over, but they have the results up. Okay. And so they gave, I think there's some gift cards and stuff. Um, The grand prize went to uh, Maria Johnson. It's an Italian truffle and bacon grilled cheese. It looks pretty awesome. But the cool thing is you go to TraderJoe's.com. If you like the recipe, if it sounds good, they give you the directions and the recipe and everything. It's all stuff you can get from Trader Joe's.
2: It looks nice.
1: It does look good. And then the blueberry brie and lemon curd grilled cheese. Whoa by Christy uh, Chong, that looks, I mean, I love me some brie, and I didn't even yeah. think about that. Uh, brie's one of my favorite cheeses.
2: I've never thought about it in a grilled cheese. Though. Yeah,
1: but with fruit, it's always good.
2: Mm-hmm. So that,
1: that looks pretty, pretty yummy. So Okay, there you go. I think it's only five ingredients you could have. So it was a TJ's frozen blu- blu- blueberries, um, honey, TJ's multifloral clover honey, oh. uh, four tablespoons of lemon curd, Four slices of sliced French brioche, so that's for the bread, and then six slices of TJ's light brie, Mm. and you make them thinly sliced. So you can, like, you could do. I think oils and butters and stuff that wasn't an ingredient, but you could only use five ingredients. So wow, they give you uh, all the stuff. Yeah, I wanted to talk about it last week, and we didn't get to do the show. So my apologies, but yeah, that looks pretty cool. What
2: a fun challenge!
1: Uh, Yeah, I I, I mean, I love making grilled cheese sandwiches, just like. I like basic grilled cheese sandwiches. Like you flip it over. I butter both sides yeah, of the bread. Yeah, you got it. You got it. Got to butter both sides. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good stuff. <laughs> uh, well, Keely, um, you're you and Chaka and Chris, uh, RJ, have been uh, killing it over at practice. Make sure you check out uscfootball.com of what's going on. The the notes that they've been putting up. You know, instant analysis is always great. Where well, you guys are on top of a parking structure now, for instance. Yeah, analysis?
2: we're we're on the parking structure right outside of Dado. So you can, okay. you can see the baseball field behind us. Yeah. So we can take our masks off and be away from people. Not nice. get in trouble.
1: Yeah. Because it's pretty strict still on campus. You know? It is.
2: It is. But it's getting better. I mean, Clay Helton talked about it this week about how uh, all the coaches are vaccinated and the players are getting vaccinated. That's something that they can't control. They can't even um, ask. Like, the players have to self-report if they get vaccinated. But oh. uh, because, you know, HIPAA and whatnot. But if Health and said that if they do get a higher percentage rate of vaccinations, then they can start to ease on the COVID protocols, which would be nice for them because they've been very strict and following it to the T. So
1: Yeah. Well, we we USC did announce this week that if you're gonna come back to campus in the fall and be on campus, all the faculty, all the staff, all the students would need to be vaccinated. So there was a threat in the peristyle. There's some people that didn't like that and stuff. I guess if you Um, couldn't for some reason, there was a thing you could file by June or whatever, but the fact that everyone on campus is going to be required to be vaccinated, I just assume people can walk around without masks. The CDC just came out this week and said like, you know, if you're outside and fully vaccinated, no need to wear a mask, which makes sense. I mean, you know, there just doesn't seem to be a lot of outside transmission, uh, uh, you know, with the virus. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see over the next couple of months, does practice look different? Are we seeing coaches without masks on out there? It's yeah, sort of, you know, it's kind of creating your own vaccination bubble, I guess, like, you know, there's no one allowed in there. And even for us, maybe they let us on the field. If we show proof of vaccination, I, who knows? Maybe
2: who knows? Yeah. But I, it sounds like it's trending in the right direction as far as protocols and whatnot. Yeah. So which good is good. See. Yeah. Yeah.
1: By the way, USC, I got, I'm vaccinated now. So I'm feeling,
2: <laughs> I think we established that. Yeah.
1: So boom. <laughs> got boom. Shot. Uh, yeah, so that was good. So uh, looking at, I guess, overall from yes. what you guys were seeing, there was this ramp up in physicality up until the spring game. Mm-hmm. And after that, there's been sort of like a confluence of things happening, like a bunch of dudes getting injured, um, not as many full pads practices left available. Um, I don't think the la- last two, I don't believe, are going to be yeah full pads. Um, but. I think Shotgun described it as sort of it felt more like a fall practice. I think that was the Saturday one.
2: That was Saturdays, yeah. yeah. That's the thing is like Tuesday's practice was the first practice where I was like, mm, okay, that's, that's kind of like an oldish Helton type of practice where okay. you didn't come away going like, oh, I, I saw some good things or like, I mean, you saw some good things, but they just had so many people injured that it really limited what they could do. I mean, we mentioned it on incident analysis, but they had two healthy scholarship cornerbacks. Two. Yeah. That's that's not even enough for a second team, like guys yeah. to go on. Like not Chris, enough for a first team, Chris yeah. Steele was just was just going out there the whole time, and then uh, you had three fully healthy scholarship wide receivers. That's it's hard to go physical uh, when you do that. And now here's the thing: I feel like the pair style is a little bit like contradictory, if you will. Uh, not that they haven't been before, but I think you know they're clamoring for physicality and physical practices, and this is the result. You know, players are getting injured, and that's just. A product of being physical and and we've seen usc not be physical and get injured so i think you'd rather have what we saw earlier in camp where they were physical uh they went hard they challenged each other and you're ending off spring camp with these injuries and i mean in the grand scheme of things it's probably a good thing that they had the spring game earlier rather than later because you'd be limping into that game right now
1: i think the game looked pretty good overall i liked what they did but you're right like if it was going to be this weekend you wouldn't be able to have anything like that. It
2: would be, yeah. It would be a, a glorified practice.
1: Kerry Colbert wouldn't be out there running routes and uh, Dante <laughs> Williams trying to cover Katie Nixon or anything like that.
2: So. Yeah. It was it was so odd because, I mean, Brew McCoy didn't practice. And so you we saw the four jersey walking around and we're like, what? And then, <laughs> he, and then he had a helmet on. And I was like, if I didn't know that was Kerry Colbert, I would think that's like, oh, that's a pretty like uh, preferred walk on like right there. Nice. And, and he still has speed. So. Before we
1: walk on – well, we were number four, I guess, but besides yeah, that. That's yeah, that's true.
2: But <laughs> the, the body shape still. He still has it.
1: <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, it, it sounds like he did better than uh, Dante Williams. But it's, you know, it's a little easier to run around than to try to cover somebody.
2: Yeah, I, I would say so. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh,
1: you know, we'll see um, kind of where they go from here. But it was – I think it was – the timing was good where the spring game was. We'll see. We won't be able to watch uh, Thursday's practice, but they're going to end on Friday. So they'll do a Friday afternoon practice. We'll be able to watch that, and that'll be – the final one, not anticipating uh pads again, but, you know, we'll see uh how that ends up going. And that'll, you know, that'll wrap things up. The injury situation is interesting because, you know, when you change strength and conditioning coaches, um, I mean, I, I think that's something that takes a while for things to sort of set in. And, you know, you're working on different muscle groups. I mean, sometimes maybe you're stressing muscles that you weren't stressing before. And then they're in a weird spot. I mean, I, it would be great if, if we got some sort of feedback on here's the situation, we felt like there were this many soft tissue injuries or there were, th- you know, this many injuries came from contact. I think Shotgun said there was like 40 scholarship players that weren't available, uh, some of them transfers and things. but Yeah,
2: yeah that was a f- – it's a full count. That's like guys like Ishmael Softshire who we haven't seen all of spring. So it's a little – I think it's overinflated, if you will, uh, the number that he put out. But there were a lot of guys out. But the thing is, is I don't think it- – to me, they're not severe injuries. It's not like we've USC's lost some guys for like the year and the season, like Max Williams, but that's a guy who had already torn his ACL once in his yeah. career and that's easy to do again. Um, so I, I mean I I think they're like minimal things. Like Liam Jimmons, he came out hobbling on Saturday and didn't even have a boot on on Tuesday. So I think it's just like, hey, he got his ankle tripped up a little bit. He'll be back. If there was more practice, he'd probably be back soon. So, I mean, I think it is better on the whole. It's just, I think, a whole five weeks of tackling and actually wearing full pads wears on the body a little bit. So, I mean, this is what happens.
1: Yeah, no, I, I get you. And, you know, typically, this is a little different. We were usually, in the last several years at least, seeing – a spring break week off in the middle somewhere. Yeah. Now, when it was after the first week, that didn't make much sense. But if it was like a week after the spring game, and then you kind of get time to rest up and then come back for two weeks, that, that actually would have made some sense. I was never a huge fan of taking that week off. But if you want to do the spring game in the middle, and then you take a week off and then sort of get everyone ready for the last few, I mean, maybe something like that uh, would be better too. But yeah, they, they you know, they, it was a little more compact. They didn't have the week off in the middle. You had the spring game. It was sort of like everybody was leading up to that one. And I don't know, maybe if, you know, if the spring game was this weekend would some of those guys have practiced, you know, just if they wanted to get in the game, it's hard to say.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I I think they would just be limping into this game. Like it wouldn't. I I think it worked out the way it should have. And and. We had to mention, too, that the reason why they're not doing full pads is because they reached the NCAA limit. It's not that they're suddenly deciding not to. So right. it's they, they definitely front-loaded their schedule in that sense. And, and on the whole, I think they did a good job of managing um, the physicality, the intensity, um, and just designing practice so that it there was never really any lulls. Um, I think o- the only time we're seeing like kind of the quote unquote less interesting practices, at least from my vantage point is because guys are injured and you're not seeing as much competition because you're not seeing <laughs> like four uh, cornerbacks. You're seeing two, yeah. you know, that's, that's a difficult thing to do. So, um, but yeah.
1: Yeah. I think I, you know, we've, you know, we've all, I've been critical of some of the, decisions that were made over the spring practices over the years not having like a real spring game I like the way this one came out I mean overall I like the way it was designed I think the injury situation sort of worked out that you didn't really have it have as a big of an impact on the spring game itself and now it's having more of an impact uh you know as you go through I guess the unfortunate aspect and maybe there's you know there's some silver lining to this but we wanted to see some of the, sh- the rotating on the offensive line early on. They pretty much kept it the same through the spring game, right? And then the spring game, they you know they picked they pick teams and mixed it up. But now dudes are out. There's injuries. So, oh, we saw Andrew Voorhees play left tackle in the spring game. Oh, we get to see a little bit more of him. Or Jalen McKenzie, oh, is Jonah Monheim pushing him for, for right tackle? Well, he's getting to play some some right guard. So there's some opportunities there for guys to play other positions. It might be beneficial for some it might not be as beneficial for others. I guess.
2: Yeah, and that's the thing is I, I know people kind of forgot, but we knew from the start that they were going to do shuffling. We just didn't know when that was going to start because I know some people on the P were like, oh, they're shuffling. That means they hate the line. They were going to do that no matter what. Yeah. But I think now in hindsight on paper, I think they thought that that first iteration of the line that we saw, uh, McKenzie, uh, Liam Jimmons, Nealon, Voorhees, and then Cortland Ford. I think that on paper was what they had maybe projected as the first team, and that's why they put so much tape on them, at least in the first half, and then they started mixing and matching. But the fact that Jalen McKenzie hasn't really locked down that right tackle spot, I think is telling. And we've seen more rotating on the right side of the line than we have on the left side. And I anticipated more on the left, you know? And I thought that Casey Collier would get more time it's really he's just been Corlin forward and I think and we've heard from Clay McGuire I think Casey Collier has to have some time to develop he's having some time he's having some issues with the playbook and the call so I think for him he's kind of out of that race a little bit and that's why you see Andrew Voorhees that's why you see a Jonah Monheim get, getting some time at that left tackle but I mean yesterday on Tuesday we saw uh, Jonah Monheim at right tackle and and uh, Jalen McKenzie scoot inside to right guard which Liam Jimmins was injured, so that's why we saw that. But I kind of like that line. Yeah. I like Monheim. And and Chris Trevino brought this up, and I think it's a good point. But having Justin Dietrich at that guard spot, either one, I think it's a bonus just because you have another center on the line. You have another guy who can identify calls and is has a high IQ on that line. So if you can find a way to get him in there— I think that's a bonus as well, but with Andrew Millick down. Yeah, so um, the he's, backup center is yeah, out. So yeah, then, so yeah. now D-Ditch is basically just being the second-team mm-hmm. center. But I, I think overall, everyone has their strengths and weaknesses. There's not a surefire, hey, this guy's the tackle, this guy's the guard. And I think there needs to be more development, and I think that they, they just have to practice more and get more experience to really find out, okay, who's the best guy? Because right now I don't think anyone besides maybe Brett Neilon, you know, is like, hey, that's the guy who's starting – In September,
1: you know, no, that makes sense. Um, As far as the line, you have a new coach, you have Clay McGuire. You can watch the tape from last year. I think this was a good opportunity to kind of see film on all a bunch of guys playing different spots and that's his job, right? I mean, he does this for a living, you know, we can watch practice, but we're not seeing the film breakdowns and all that. We're not in the meeting rooms where guys are understanding concepts or not. Now it's going to be his you know, he's got all the ingredients and he's got to come up with his his stew, whatever the offensive line is, you know, for you want a food analogy there's you know well done. we want that offensive line stew. He should have a pretty good idea. He's tasted all these different ingredients in different scenarios like oh, this this one goes good with this and see you know what they come up with. And I feel like you know over the summer, you know, if we get to watch some of these PRPs and see where the guys line up, Maybe you do see Jalen McKenzie at, at right guard instead of you know right tackle as much. I don't know. I mean, I think that, that'll all be interesting and what happens in the fall. But this is sort of like the opportunity for Clay McGuire to come in, get tape on all his dudes. He's got a lot of bodies to choose from. And then, you know, most of them been healthy the whole time. Now figure it out uh, this offseason.
2: Yeah, I think this spring was always about getting Clay McGuire acclimated to being a Trojan coach. I mean, we've seen it throughout spring he's gotten more vocal he's he's actually a fiery guy and you couldn't tell that in the beginning because I think he was just getting his sea legs for like okay what is the USC practice like what is it like with the personnel I mean yesterday he was yelling at Cortland Ford and we could hear it from the uh, the aquatic center he was like Cortland, that's inexcusable that can't happen and so uh, I think he's definitely getting more comfortable as these guys coach and I think uh, that's why the tape that he has on the on the team this spring will be helpful in evaluating and and I think I think it's just a growth process for him getting to know his players and getting that evaluation down so I, I I never thought that they would come out of spring knowing who the starting 5 were going to be just because it's it's just not settled and you have a new guy coming in you need more time than that
0: yeah
1: you think in, in Clay McGuire's mind he might know or he has a pretty good intention you he know?
2: might see but the thing is is some guys are flashing late and and yeah. that makes you wonder like why didn't they start rotating earlier you know, why haven't we seen Jonah Monheim earlier at, with the first team? That would have been interesting. Like, if he had more reps at this point at camp, what would he look like? You know? So, I don't know. We've talked about the strategy <laughs> all camp, but, like, I don't get fully the strategy they had with the rotation and whatnot. But, um, like I said, I think a lot of guys have strengths and weaknesses, but it needs to be developed further. And yeah. that's why I can't fully be like, I think this guy should be the tackle or the guard or whatever. You know? I think... Because we've seen them overall it's not consistent enough for me to be like this should be the starting five
1: yeah you know? and I, I think there's probably different uh points of view there I mean I'd heard from a couple of different sources there were people that were high on uh, Monheim and wanted mm-hmm. him to be the right tackle mm-hmm. I didn't hear as much really about Voorhees early on uh being the left you know being out there at left tackle but it, it might have just been the spring game that kind of afforded him that opportunity so I think you're right I think it's still a work in progress and they the good thing is you got a lot of uh pieces to this puzzle and they just kinda have to put it together in the off season.
2: Yeah, for sure. Whatever works best and protects Keaton Slovis, that's what you want. Right.
1: <laughs> and not just protects Keaton Slovis, but also block for the running backs. And uh this was a Mike Jenks week, right? We Great transition
2: yeah, there, I'm yeah, Pretty good
1: at this stuff. I've been doing this a while. <laughs> okay. Uh but thank you for setting it up the we were supposed to hear from Mike Jenks a couple weeks ago. There was some weird thing that yeah. happened. Um what was that? So we get these Zoom calls on the mornings of practice. Uh, what What was the, uh, the Mike Jinks conference call like?
2: Uh, it was really interesting. You know, I think on the last podcast we did together, I was talking about how, like, the spring just felt different, and maybe that's because um, guys are just grateful that they are actually having a spring camp. And he basically said as much, and he said, part of what we're doing this spring is going through tape of last year. And he said, uh, we put on the fall camp tape, like the first couple practice of the running backs. And he was like, we looked around in the room and said, how did, how the hell did we get to the Pac-12 championship? <laughs> you know? And, and we heard from a Pai who was like, it was really weird. We thought the season was canceled. Then we came back and then we had to work out in groups. We couldn't even like see the offensive linemen until games. <laughs> like that's not very helpful or conducive for a great like team chemistry atmosphere. And yet, yeah. like Ma- Mike Jing said, they got to the to all championship. So I that it was a lot of that where they were saying, like, they're just so excited that this staff and this iteration of the staff can have a spring, have a summer, and then have a fall camp. Uh, Jinx was like, if we can have all three of those, like, who knows what we can be. So I think they're excited about, like, the work that they can actually put in. Uh, Vavai Malapéa, I said that he – he was like, I've been here a really long time, and this is the most physical spring game I've ever had. So uh, Good to hear, yeah. Yeah, and and both Carr and Vi, they're healthy this spring. That was big. I mean, <laughs> Carr got a little banged up yesterday, so I think it was a jinx that they were talking about it. Uh, no pun intended. Uh, so, I mean, and a lot of talk about Keontae Ingram, and that's a guy who I think, Ryan, you and I identified from the beginning. We were like, he's, he's a good
1: he's – He's a good. dude. He's
2: a dude, yeah. And so a lot of talk about him and what he's brought to the table – um, and then i know there was a lot made about um the interview mike jinx did with the la times about how he said he wanted like one back and he wanted to you know uh not have as much as a committee and he kind of didn't even remember what he said in the interview <laughs> so I, it made me wonder like okay how much of that right is true um so we'll see on that but apparently he's been prepping the room like hey you're not going to get as many carries. We're going to have like one to two guys get the bulk of the, of the carries. And so Vi was like, Hey, it makes the competition better. Um, so we'll see, but I, I don't know how much coach speak now to take out of that. If Jinx can't even fully remember what he said.
1: Yeah, it's funny. So, I mean, we, I mean, I, we do this all the time. So we put ourselves out there on shows, you know, we do a bunch of podcasts. You do yeah, television. I'll,
2: I'll say, and I understand. Yeah,
1: <laughs> Cause we'll say something. You're like, I can't believe you said, but I'm like, I said that? Like, I don't think I said that. Or you might have said some sort of version of it. And that definitely happens. You're in an interview. You might have been your third interview in a row or whatever. Yeah, and, and like, you're just saying things. He says one. something, which, you know, maybe it's out of context. It's hard to say. But then sometimes it's like, okay, this is a soundbite, and we're going to latch onto this. Boom, set in stone. There's something written on the war room wall. USC will go with a single back. It's like, <laughs> that just wasn't the case. You know, Even though he said those words, and as a reporter, you're like, you know, Maybe there's a follow up or something, but it, you know that's the, your interview subject said that you know so it's yeah. like, but then sometimes you don't realize what people are going to latch onto. It doesn't it doesn't always like well you know slow your roll a little bit yeah. So I, you know give them the benefit of the doubt there. It was going to be tough.
2: It's one thing if if Jinx was somehow tweeting it every week versus like yeah. he said it once in an interview and then we all clung on to it. You know, it's yeah. I think it's a little different in that sense. So I think we'll just have to see. And we've been seeing a lot of two back sets. So like. We'll see how that goes, but um, I think Keontae has really raised the competition level this spring, and and Jinx even mentioned Brandon Campbell. He's done so as well. I mean, I think he has a hamstring injury, so he was out on Tuesday, but uh, I think just having some fresh faces in that position group has kind of livened up uh, the reps a little bit, and I've talked about this before, but I think spring camp for running backs in particular is a little... It's just kind of fifty percent, seventy five percent. You're not going full speed, but I think they definitely raised the bar this camp, um, and so I, I think Keontae and, and BC, who they who they call Brandon Campbell, uh, definitely elevated that this year.
1: I think so too. Yeah, it's like so if uh, Dante Williams said, you know, in an interview, take back the West, and then later on was like, I don't even remember saying that. Well, you use that in your hashtag on every one of your tweets, so yeah. that's a little different. Like, yeah, it's exactly. like Jinx wasn't doing that. Yeah, and uh, and uh, I would this would be analogous to if you went to USC football practice and someone just said, you don't know any of the players, doesn't matter who anyone is. And you just said, watch the running backs. Who do you think's the best? Like, I bet you a lot of random people would go count that, that 28 guy. Like he looks like he's the best. And that's just, you know, looking at it from, you know, it's like he was just impressive to me from the beginning. I love the way Carr ran in the spring game. You know, you know what vibes can do. He's like, he said, he's been around there forever, but I mean, you know, Brandon Campbell BC, you know threw his hat in the ring, but I I feel like Ingram, just made a he's made a pretty big splash in these first you know few weeks.
2: Yeah, he's brought something different, and I know Chris Trevino and I uh, differ on that opinion, but I I know Isaiah Pullum-Out said like he's a tough hitter, he brings something different to the running back room, and you know Stephen Carr is a gamer. I think that's why we saw what we saw in the the spring game. I think he just turned it on, and he said on Tuesday like I just have a different mindset. This is kind of my last go, and so he's bringing a a, a definite uh new intensity at least from a mindset mindset perspective so I mean I think USC can't go wrong with who they have right now it's just keeping them healthy that's yeah. really the main thing and that's what uh Mike Jink said as well like he was like I remember when we had one healthy back when we had to like <laughs> bring in Amon Ross <laughs> round you know so uh I think it's good for USC to have as many backs as they have right now considering transfers and injuries and whatnot so
1: yeah mm-hmm. um we didn't hear from any defensive people yet. Uh, I forget who, who's tomorrow on the slate. It's Snyder, before. so we
2: actually won't hear anymore. Also oh, no
1: more defense. So yeah. we get special teams. Um, anything could stand out the last couple? I mean, obviously, the quarterback situation, cornerback is uh, <laughs> fairly dire with only a yeah. couple guys out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, overall, I've liked, I think, what Todd Orlando's been able to do, I think what he said was powerful about we want to install the culture. Like, our desired culture needs to be installed in the offseason. And you could just say that's coach speak, but I think we saw it like that yeah. really was what happened. And I feel like he backed up everything he said about that, which is, you know, credit to him, credit to the coaching staff for being able to adapt that. I feel like it was a different kind of spring and started, you know, started on the defensive side of the ball.
2: No, I agree. I completely agree. They meant what they said when they were talking about physicality, it wasn't one of those Normal USC phrases that sounds good or sounds good in a tweet. Like they actually Iron brought it, or <laughs> yeah. whatever. It's like, yeah, yeah. Wait, what? Okay. Yeah, no, they actually brought it, and you could tell that the whole defensive staff was united on that front. Like it wasn't like there was a weak link. It was everyone has been (laughs) screaming at everyone, you know, and and I think it's permeated throughout the entire team. They've heard, uh, we've heard from offensive guys who said, yeah, we've seen that the defense is bringing it and we're trying to do the same, you know, and we've seen Clay Helton really like light a fire underneath the offense because they're just sometimes not matching the intensity of the defense. And I think they're a united group. You know, I it's, it's weird because I feel like the offense is kind of more in flux right now than the defense even though I don't think that's necessarily accurate. I just from a, like a culture and like a, a vibe sense, if you will, I just feel like the defense is more just together and has more continuity. So, uh, yeah. So I definitely think that they, they meant what they said when they talked about physicality and, and we've seen it this spring. So definitely the defensive staff has been leading the way on that one.
1: Yeah. You like to do this to shotgun at the end. Yes. Uh, Any final thoughts before we go
2: And that was technically a Dan thing. And dancing, he'd say no and then go into a final thought. That's Uh,
1: right. Shotgun does the same thing. So if you watch instant analysis, Shotgun, any final thoughts on spring practice? No, and then just goes into a thought. There's always a a no. Yeah,
2: I don't know why. It's just a thing. Not
1: really, but blah, 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 blah.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's so many thoughts. But I I was saying this last uh, practice to the guys. I was like, I just feel like I'm waiting for like a receiver to come back from the injured list, which is not like there are injured receivers, but I feel like USC is just missing someone and yeah. it's not the case. I mean, like of course it'll feel that way if you don't have Alvin Ross St. Brown anymore, or you don't have a Michael Pittman or a, a Tyler Vaughns, but I just feel like they're missing a guy and someone needs to step up in that role. And, You know, Mike, uh, Mike Jackson or Michael Jackson, I call him Mike Jack, even though that's not really his name.
1: Uh, (laughs) That's his Twitter, right? Yeah, I
2: think so. Yeah. And so he's been injured a little bit. Bruce McCoy, we've seen in and out. And I think Bruce McCoy will definitely take a step up going forward. And Gary Bryant, when he's healthy, that will be a he'll be a major contributor there, too, as well. But I just feel like there's just something missing. And I know USC is going to get Taj Washington soon. Um, but I just feel like Katie Nixon hasn't been consistent yeah. enough.
1: He could have been the guy. He and... could
2: have been the guy. He just hasn't. He might still be. Who he knows? might still be true. Uh, but he hasn't like contributed in the way that I thought maybe he would have, or USC anticipated him to contribute. So that's something that I think um, is a little disappointing there from a USC perspective. But I just think that there's a there's a there's a oomph missing from that wide receiver group. And I don't know what it is. Like, it's just, I feel like it's a lot on Drake London's shoulders right now. Um, but how much of that is injuries, how much we'll see full speed. I don't know. Um, I think Jackson Dart, uh, has kind of separated himself a little bit from Miller Moss. I think this is another thing I was trying to figure out, like trying to get the right phrasing with the guys just Cause I was just like talking through practice. And I was like, I feel like Jackson Dart just has this different type of confidence or like, uh, comfortability. He like, I, both Miller Moss and Jackson Dart had the same familiarity with the system at this point, but I feel like Jackson Dart sees it as like a more, uh, a challenge he can accomplish. I don't know. It's just this kind of bravado. You can just sense when you're seeing them out there. And so that's what I've been picking up on. And I don't want everyone to go and take and run with that. Cause I know they did that <laughs> with Gilly, the spring game, yeah. but, but I do think he, he has a sense of confidence that you can see in his play style. So, and that's kind of separating him a little bit from uh, Miller Moss, but, like yeah. I said, I've been produ- I've been protective of the the young quarterbacks because I feel like everyone's staring them down and wants to know exactly what they're doing every single practice, even though they've only had thirteen practices at Trojan. So, right, grain of salt, people, but that's my early evaluation of that. But yeah,
1: it's it's funny. Like you wonder if in the spring game, if Miller Moss was on Keaton Slois's team and Jackson Dart was on the other team,
2: what would that look like?
1: Maybe you feel like Miller Moss is the guy. Yeah. Maybe he gets more confidence from doing that as opposed to just getting beat up and not having any exactly. Maybe Jackson Dart does it. or maybe Jackson Dart like takes it and runs with it and goes bananas, you know, or I mean who knows? But yeah, it's hard yeah. to. It's just – it's very situational, so it's,
2: it's it's definitely hard to say. Yeah, and Miller Moss played so much because Mo Hassan went down. You know, what if you see Jackson Dart with that much time? Maybe he doesn't look as great. The sample size is larger, you know? So, yeah. it's it's spring. Don't go too far, but
1: – You know, it's funny, too, because we, we heard reports from uh, – I think it was the Thursday after the spring game. Like, Moss threw, like, five touchdowns in practice or something. Like, had, like, an amazing practice oh, really? or something. Yeah, there was – so, there's, like, well, we don't get to watch that. So, you know, it's uh, – it's uh, weird, but it is nice that we're at least getting to watch two-thirds of the practices. You can see the guys warm up, and you can see, you know, hey, if I think that's something you can sense. Like, if I trust we, your eyes are seeing, if you're looking at a, a group of guys, and one of them just looks to be more confident than the other ones, like, yeah, I mean, I, I, you've seen enough of this. And, you know, that's, I think you know what you're talking about.
2: Thank you for your stamp of approval, Ryan. Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, that's just what I sense. You can just see he's kind of even when he's scrambling, it seems like he's trying to engineer something. And and I don't want to use the Sam Darnold phrase; it's not there, but it's it's reminiscent. It's there are flashes of Darnold isms, if you will. Yeah, well, don't get funny. too excited, people.
1: <laughs> so either one of those guys, I think they're athletic enough. Probably Darts a little more, right? Yeah. Um But that was one thing we couldn't tell in practice with Darnold because yeah. yeah. You know, when Vic Soto yells sack, like, yeah. well, in a game, Sam Darnold wasn't sacked. In practice, he was sacked. Yeah. But when in a game, it's not like, oh, he got away and ran for two yards. Like, oh, that's nice. Instead of a four-yard loss, it's a two-yard gain. He would get away, have his eyes downfield, and find somebody for 25 yards. Yeah, it's like, that's a like, huge like, difference than a sack. You know? Yeah, no. And we didn't see that till he was in a game. Exactly. So it's hard to say, like, oh, was Jackson Dart, was he going to, like, throw a touchdown pass there? Instead, he was sacked, you know? Yeah, like,
2: and, and- – one thing that I forgot that I think needs to be mentioned is that Jackson Dart did have a senior season. He did play. Right. That's whereas Miller Moss did not. So, I mean, maybe that's, I'm being a little harsh there because there there is some experience, more experience underneath uh, Dart's belt than Moss. You know, yeah. this is kind of him playing his senior year while Dart is kind of adding on to it. So, uh, I mean, Dart's
1: probably not at USC if he doesn't play a senior no, year, right? No, he's not. Yeah, yeah. I mean,
2: he came onto the scene. I mean, junior year, he kind of was like, it was a simmer, and then senior year, it was a boil. So, yeah. Yeah, but uh so yeah, so quarterback watch, there's that uh defensive line, guys are getting injured, so we haven't seen as much, but I think that's a really promising group. Sure. I think Vic Soto has done a good job developing guys. Uh it's unfortunate that Kobe Pepe has been injured for basically the entirety of camp. Um because I thought he was flashing well, but T- Tuli Tuipolotu, that's a guy who you ask anyone on the offense and they're like, that guy's a freak, you yeah. know? And so I think he's continuing that, that freshman year uh, intensity that he had. And then, you know, I'm Stanley T- Tawafu, uh, Jay Toya, those are guys who just, I think they just have a good mindset. They're just, they're really fired up and, and you can tell that they come to practice wanting to play and wanting to get in there. So I I keep saying I'm really intrigued by that group. I think they're a fun group. And with Vixa Oto kind of like pumping them up with his energy that he has, I think it's a, a promising group
1: this is only Vick Sooto's fifth year being a full-time assistant coach three at uh, what Virginia, right? With, uh, um,
2: Mendenhall.
1: yeah, with uh, Bronco Mendenhall. And then, you know, last year, kind of a shortened year. I feel like if you look at USC's recruiting over the years, like on the lines, like sometimes there's this, you know, random three-star guys that look like they have potential and maybe never do anything. Um, you know, you know that J. Tufellis came in. He was like at all the camps. He was a four, you know, five star guy and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, and then some of the other guys, like a Tuli Tui Pelotu, not as well known, or, or Jay Toy. You know, some of those guys. I think it's a great sign for a position coach when those guys that come in that have the potential that maybe aren't highly ranked, move forward and they they yeah. get better. And I think some of the assistant coaches at USC over the years, those guys have just sort of been like, "Oh, you're a three star guy. You're a three star guy in school." Yeah. You see a good guy like Vic Oto develop, dude. I, I feel like he's doing a good job of developing these guys. I
2: yeah. think so, too. And I mean, I mentioned this on the Family Feud podcast, but I think Jay Toya should get the credit that he deserves because, you know, I he's kind of the sleeper guy of the of the 2021 class because he committed as a sophomore in high school. <laughs> you know, yeah. when you're the first guy to commit in a class and you're a defensive lineman, people are kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. OK, who else? Who's the flashier yeah. guys? In like, this how class? big are
1: you? Are you 225 right now? Yeah, like, like people,
2: it's just not flashy, but he's a guy who has come in as an early enrollee and been immediately impact and so I think that's big too so yeah I think Vic Soto should get a lot of credit because he's really pushing guys and it seems like from what we've seen that what he means about how you practice the work you put in that will show up with your playing time and I mean it's probably worth mentioning now that Caleb Tremblay uh, entered the NCAA transfer portal Um, that's something I had heard about like a week out before he announced it just because you know he was not at the spring game I was kind of like, okay, if, if he's missing all these practices, what's happening? And then I kind of heard he got cold feet, and then he decided to to enter the transfer portal. But that's something where, from what I've heard, um, it was just like an effort thing. And that's something where Vic was kind of like, hey, this is the standard here at USC, and you have to meet it, or else your playing time will reflect that. So I think that's the case that w- with what happened there. And then you have other guys coming in in the fall. It just, I think it was, he felt the need to go to the portal in that sense.
1: Yeah. I should do a better job of like getting the new stuff at the top because that's kind of newsy, right? Like,
2: <laughs> yeah, that is. During
1: the transfer portal, uh, Caleb Tremblay. Well, I, I'll update that. I need to update the scholarship distribution chart because there's been there's been some position changes yep. and some uh, you know guys that are transferring out, things like that. So we'll uh, try to keep that updated for you. Usually, like when spring football ends, we'll kind of give a final spring update of everything that's going on there. But mm-hmm. yeah, wish uh, Caleb Tremblay the best. He was yeah always a good dude to cover. Really nice,
2: stuff. yeah, really nice guy.
1: Nice, dude. But I like, yeah, I like overall what uh, Vic Soto's doing. You know, sometimes you hire a position coach. You're like, yeah, I think that guy gets it. You know, it's yeah. not necessarily, oh, he's going to be a defensive coordinator or head coach someday. Maybe he will. I don't know. But at first, you just want someone that's good at their job. And he seems to be. If you had to go, I think he's a really good defensive line coach, you know, even though he's only been doing this a few years.
2: I mean, he just has the the personality, and you can tell he has the confidence that he knows he's good at what he does. You know, I forgot what the quote was, but he was like, it's my job to get these guys in here. I think he was talking about Corey Foreman coming in as a fall rolling and he was like, I got to get these guys up to speed, and I'm pretty damn good at it. <laughs> That's That was his quote, and we're like, okay, you do your thing, you know, so – um, yeah, I think he just has the passion, the energy. I mean, there have been some Trojan drills where he's accidentally in the, the mosh pit of, of guys because he's just in there so close to the action. So, I know. I think he's – I mean, I think one of the defensive coaches said he's a superstar in the making as far as a coach. And so far we've seen him get a lot out of his guys and really bring that intensity every practice. So I think that's a good guy to have on your staff. I
1: think with your – I mean, there's a lot of things that can make a great coach. I mean, sometimes it's an X and O guy. Sometimes they're, you're just not as personable, but they know football really well. They can put you in the right position. Um, they might be a little rough around the edges, like the Belichicks or the Nick Sabans of the world. But there's other guys, too, that, you know, you have to – I think you can't – you know, Vic wouldn't be good being a Nick Saban type. He's a good relate-to-people type, you know. Ed Ordron won a national championship as a coach, but he was a great people person. He related to people well. You, I think you just have to be true to your personality, yeah. and he's been that. And We'll see what he's you know able to you know go forward and doing, but I, I think he's proven himself as a defensive line coach, and that's a good you know it's a good young hire. This was a out of the you know not really connected to anyone hire. Yeah. Like remember uh, Dylan McCullough when you know yeah. when USC brought him in, You're like wow he's a really good he's back in Indiana by the way. I know he's really good. And the whole point we were saying before when I would be critical of the hires is just get someone that's good at their job, not yeah. someone you know someone that's good at a job. If you happen to know him, that's great. But Dylan McCullough was like wow. He's a running back coach at Indiana. The team's pretty terrible, but they're recruiting four star athletes out of the SEC and getting them away from like Auburn and LSU. Yeah, he's probably good at what he does. You know. Yeah. Vixoto, the same thing. You've seen that. Um, I mean, it's it's the
2: little things too. I mean, in his Zoom conference. Uh, he asked Tuli, like, what's the expectation of the defensive line? And Tuli just recited it. And you're yeah. like, okay, he means business with his group. And then, like, <laughs> even during practice when there's special teams and there's downtime, the defensive line guys aren't in special teams. Like, that's not really their thing. And, and Soto has them on the side doing reps of, like, hand placement and stuff like that. And so it's just getting the most out of your guys in the time that you have. And so that stuff really stands out to me because we've seen um, guys just not really utilize the time. And I think he, he does that well.
1: All right. Well, I thought it would be a short opening segment. Sorry, it's I'm not talking n- so much. Please do not apologize. You're doing a great <laughs> job uh, delivering uh, all the news. All right. Why don't we take a quick break and we'll come back and do some questions. Back in a minute. It It's funny. It sounded a little slow to me, like when it was being played. Is that funny? Did that Did that music sound a little slow to you? Well,
2: because we probably listened to it in one and a half. I was deep. gonna say, yeah, yeah. When you
1: listen to the show, you listen to it a little faster. That's um, like
2: if I listen to uh, Raina Troy at normal speed, they sound drunk now to me.
1: It It is funny, yeah. With some of the and even just like music when people have intro music to stuff. And yeah. You're like, oh,
0: that doesn't sound quite
1: yep. right. Or you listen to people, you know. All right. Uh let's see. Why don't we start with the voicemail? Sure. And we'll get to all the this Go is a t- two-part voicemail. We'll start with this one.
0: Okay. Hello, this question's for Ryan and Keely. And I was just wondering if you guys think that maybe part of the reason for the delay in the conference commissioner search is that some of these guys might, or in gals, uh might be worried that there might be a conference realignment coming up pretty soon. And if if uh, that happened and the other conference commissioner is the one who's held on, then, you know, they could be out of a job within the next couple of years. So it's like a job that they take and then, you know, could be gone. So I was wondering if, one, that is part of maybe what's going on and creating some hesitancy for some guys and gals. And then also I was wondering, what do you guys think about the likelihood of a Pac-12, Big 12 realignment? It seems like, you know, you create a division with eight from each conference, have an east and a west, and, you know, you kind of only play at the other teams, like, once every five, six, seven years, similar to the SEC. And, uh, but you can get some pretty cool games out of it, create a super conference, and, and have a much better chance to CSP. So, anyways, was wondering what you guys think about both those things. Fight on, Jason, along with Country.
1: Jason. Jason. Thanks. So, I'll give you some thoughts, and we'll get Keeley's thoughts, too. So, uh, no, I don't think – the reason it's been a four-month search is because someone's worried about getting a job and then conference realignment. Like If you were the president of the Big East a few years ago and you were Power Five and then it blew up, I don't think that's the case. I think a lot of it's incompetence. It's, <laughs> I mean, it's
2: the Pact 12
1: <laughs> It's the Pact 12 uh, You're trying to get all the presidents and chancellors on the same page. All of the power brokers right now, as far as the guys on the committee or you know, the people on the committee are up in the Pacific Northwest, but you got the most watched schools like in, in california um so there's some there's definitely some differences there john wilner john canzano has done a, a great job covering this wilner especially his latest report showed that that you know what they've uh, for, according to his sources they were looking to maybe have a co-commissioner um which if it sounds like a terrible idea off the top of your head if you read for a little bit and then think about it it gets even worse Yeah, so you would have someone that would be more like the Larry Scott role, which you should get as far away from the Larry Scott role as possible. The biggest problem with Larry Scott was he was a Harvard-educated tennis player that wanted to focus on the the Olympic sports, not realizing that football drives the bus. Right? The SEC is now winning champ more championships in Olympic sports. You know why? Because football. Like it's actually you. If football was good, the Pac-12 it actually helps the Olympic sports. So not putting focus on that, not having someone that understood football, hiring your football people that didn't understand football under Larry Scott. There were so many mistakes that were being made, but to go down the same path where you have one person that's going to be like the business person, like the Larry Scott role. And the name he put out there was Amy Brooks. So she played basketball at Stanford and she's NBA's president, uh, president of business operations and chief innovation officer, no college campus experience, no football experience. That's a non-starter for me, but, on the other side, you would have someone that's more of a college campus liaison. So you have this like co-commissioner thing, which, you know, you football, I mean, uh, food analogies, like too many cooks in the kitchen. Two is too many. You need someone yes. that's like, you need good people around it, but you need someone calling the shots. You know, like if Amy Brooks was like uh, working for the NFL, like, yes, boom. And she worked on college campuses. Dude, put her in there. That's fine. The fact that she's working for the NBA and has no football experience, like, no, like, I don't think you could have anybody like that. You have to get as far away from the Larry Scott model as possible. And this is sort of like a, uh, a medium, you know, like a stepping stone to get away from Larry Scott. Like you just have to like get away completely. And, uh, Canzano goes off on it, uh, on his latest column. It's, I thought it was, uh, uh, pretty good, but it's taking a while. And, uh, I think there's definitely some concerns there as far as conference realignment. Uh, I think it's going to be tough right now. There's a lot of talk about expanding the playoff and it's pretty much with the current model of the five conferences. I don't think the big 12 and the Pac 12 could just say, we're going to join up because you're going to leave people behind. And it's not just about athletics. Like you, if you remember back the, you know, the alignment where the Pac 12 tried to get Texas and Oklahoma and all that stuff, There are governors. There are, you know, politicians in all of these states that will go bananas if you try to, like, if you were going to take Texas out and then you left Texas Tech behind, like other state schools. Um, I think the same thing was happening uh, in the Midwest. Like you, there are going to be people that protect these schools, and I think it was, I think the Yahoo Sports podcast was doing a good job of this. Like Pete Thamel was talking about a little bit. If I, I, I think that's who I was listening to. But when you think about like USC has what, a $7 billion endowment right now, right? Yeah, they just had a billion dollar settlement and all this stuff. The football budget's like $130 million. It's college football is huge, the athletics are huge. I mean, the athletic budget is huge, but it pales in comparison to what the university makes and all of that. And for you to like, if it was going to, if you're going to hurt, you know, if Texas leaving is going to hurt enrollment at Texas Tech, that's a major, major financial. Uh, hit for the state for the state, you know? Yeah. So I think there's a lot of political factors. If you're only looking at it from football, like let's take the best football programs and put them all in a tournament. It's like, that's great. Like that would be cool. We saw the super conference thing what blow up, right? The European thing. They try to the do super that. Super league. The Super League. They uh yeah, they, it was very American. Like it was like a lot of people said this is a very American idea. Yeah. Which I thought was cool. I don't know soccer. I'm like, yeah, that seems cool. No, don't do that. So they uh, all all the fans hated it. And you get it because the small village or whatever in the small city in the UK uh I'm getting the the wrap up like that the small you know <laughs> no. village in the UK like they grew up you know, loving this this football color football club this football club and now they're just like out of it you know and yeah. i do like the relegation factor so they can they could probably do something with the super league but also get relegated in and out of it i don't know but i think you would have some of the same issues but there's all the states all the, the, you know, the governors and the senators and all this stuff, there would be a lot of pushback from them. If you're getting, you know, if Oregon was joining and Oregon state, wasn't the governor is not going to like that very much. Yeah.
2: See, but I think that also speaks to the issue in general, because I I don't think the fight from Oregon would be as strong as, uh, you know, Alabama uh, governor. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, I hate to use the the phrase, but it means more, you know what I mean? And I, and that's the problem I think with this search is that it's, it's, done by the academic sides of things and they are not especially on the west coast very sports minded and because why aren't they going hey let's go out and get the best let's make the Pac-12 a a person who's knows college football knows how to run the business side of things let's get them in there now they're thinking about like let's have two roles and do this it's just like you don't know what what, what your conference needs if you're going that route and so i mean it just it's it just doesn't seem like a good environment for them to make the right decisions because they just don't care as much.
1: (laughs) I I think that's a fair point. Uh, Gonzalo pointed out, we've seen this model work at other conferences where not the model Pac-12, there's a proven model and you have your commissioner, you know, they have to know the sports world. They have to know college football. They have to know the campuses and you can hire consultants. You can hire people to work with the TV partners and all that. You don't need a TV executive to run everything you can get people to do that. That model's working. We saw the model work in the Big 12 in the Big Ten network and the SEC network of hey, partner with ESPN or Fox and you're gonna go make a crap load of money. The Pac 12s didn't do it. You know, they were, oh, we're gonna do our own thing. Yeah, that, that that was terrible. That did not work out at all. You've seen a model work in these other conferences. Like you should probably follow them. And I know you want to say the Pac 12 is different and all that. But I mean, yeah, okay. Is it hard to get into Stanford if you're a student athlete? Yeah. You know, it's hard to get in like Vanderbilt. Is it like significantly different to get into like Arkansas as an Oregon state? Like, I don't think so. It's probably about the same, you know, like I, I think the Pac-12 is looking at itself as like this holier than now thing. And I, I just, you got to compete, you know, there's a plot. We know what the the playing field is. You've, your ass has been beaten on this playing field. I know you're trying to change it and try to make, you know, let's focus on rowing. It's like, no, like that's, I I, I get it. You're good at rowing, but you can't focus on that. So
2: Yeah, I, I wasn't necessarily knocking the model. I'm just <laughs> I'm knocking my, uh, my belief in the Pac-12 itself to execute said model. Like, do, oh, yes. do what works, and don't try and think out of the box. You try that, no, it yeah. doesn't work.
1: <laughs> just It's literally, we have a whiteboard right in front of us. It was like, okay, let's make some suggestions on who you should hire. All right, one, do they know football? They'd make a flow chart, okay? Are they, do they know football? Yes? Okay, we'll look at them. No? Well, throw it in the trash. Not
2: even that. Do they understand that football drives the bus? Yeah. You know? Is that important to them? Yeah, I that-
1: think that's a first stage. Yeah. Do they, do they understand football drives the bus? Yes. Okay, move on. Do they know football? No? Okay, you're out. Um, I mean, it, I think it's that simple. Like, you have to fix football. Like, you have to fix football. You hire someone yeah. that's an NBA person that's never worked on a college campus and that doesn't have anything to do with college football that's a mistake from the very beginning like it's just that is
2: I can see where it could work but given how you struck out with Larry Scott, you can't you don't have the 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 leverage to make a like maybe riskier move like that you have yeah. now you have to go with someone who's proven because you can't waste more time no like you can't waste the credibility that you've already <laughs> wasted with your conference yeah you know. Um, we actually have another question about okay. this topic. It's from Eric and Duck Countries, who I don't think we've heard from in a while. So welcome back, Hi, Eric. Eric. Uh, he says, "With TV contracts coming up, do you think the new pac commissioner and the other ads will want Clay Helton gone? USC with a big-time head coach would demand way more money than they could now. Will pac schools end up losing millions of dollars because of Helton?" Eric and Duck Country.
1: Um, I mean, I think for the most part, you're a, you're at the University of Oregon you're taking care of your own stuff, right? Uh, if you're, I think every school has their wish list of what you want. And if USC has a, a head coach, that's not maybe up to the standard of a, a, a top five all time program. I don't think Mario Cristobal cares. I don't think, uh, you know, the, the, the administration at Oregon cares you're, you know, you're Washington state. Do you care that USC's coach isn't the greatest no, you're trying to get, you know, do what you need to do. Well, maybe we can beat them every once in a while. What does Washington State want? Well, I want to be able to take trips to Southern California. I want to get equal revenue share. Like, they're all going to have different demands. And that's part of the the issue with all of this It's if you're USC or UCLA you're like, hey, we're bringing in, you know, you're, Ohio State, you're bringing in, it's like something like 45% of the TV revenue is like because of Ohio State football for the whole, you know, Big Ten. Yeah. Now, they get a huge chunk, so it's not as bad. Like, okay, okay, I'm getting Rutgers a lot of money, but we're making a ton of money. The Pac-12, you're not. So if you're the the, the program making the most money, then you have more of a, a complaint, right? And uh, But you're Washington State. You want to make sure you're getting the same amount that UCLA's getting or Washington's getting. Um, so I think every AD across the conference has different wish lists and different priorities. Um, I don't think um, they're going to be, you know, there's not going to be an AD meeting that says we need to get rid of Clay Helton across the Pac-12. Like that's I don't that just seemed very pie in the sky.
2: I also don't think that USC's administrators would really appreciate uh, other ADs telling them what to do with their own <laughs> athletic department. I don't think that would go over real well. It's funny. It'd
1: be like, OK, so we're going to go into Tim Tesalone's office. <laughs> uh, all of the people that all the USC media people are coming in there and we all have a meeting uh, I like I like Ryan Carzy. So we'll talk about him. We'll have a meeting. Like, you know, guys. Daily times, I just think you need a better writer than Ryan Carzy. We are, we all agree. Like, Raid of Troy uh, said. Like, we all want Ryan Carzy. <laughs> I was like, no. Like, no, no, we'll this never is not
2: that. real. This is an example.
1: <laughs> we love you, Ryan. We're just kidding. But I'm just saying. But like, yeah. Like that doesn't happen. Like I, I'm trying to picture like. Is that a terrible example or just like besides, you know, we're not trashing Ryan. We're
2: just saying, yeah. You know. I just people always misconstrue things. So I just right. hate even going there. But if no. anything,
1: Keeley does not like Ryan Carsey.
2: <laughs> why do we start things? <laughs> Someone clip such that. a troll. <laughs> such a troll. No, no, um, no. But yes, I don't think USC. I think that would make USC more resistant if they have other schools in the conference be like, hey, you should do this with your coaching. No, that's not that's not how it goes.
1: Yeah. We love you, Eric, but that's um, it's how, okay. I'm going to put that.
2: No, don't be snarky, <laughs> okay, <all right>. Ryan. <laughs> I would I
1: would disagree, Eric. I won't be snarky.
2: That's fine. You can disagree. That's yeah. fine. Uh, we got a question from our buddy Stephen Poway who says, Dear Keely and Ryan, I've thought more than once that USC may have already hired their next head football coach and his name is Todd Orlando. He provides a toughness element that Clay Helton has lacked and he's brought in an an outstanding team of defensive coaches around him. I know there's no head coach vacancy at USC right now and I also realize if it happens, USC could turn to someone outside of the program, but did anyone else find the structure of Saturday's scrimmage pitting OC against DC at least a tad bit quote-unquote interesting in a larger context? Fight on and win uh, in 2021.
1: Hey, Steve. Thanks for that. Uh, I mean, he was a a hot assistant a couple years ago. Right. And uh, then he sort of became like a sacrificial lamb for what we heard at Texas and he gets fired, but then, you know, they fire Herman the very next year anyway. So I, I don't, I think he got a little bit of a bad rap at his way out at Texas. I mean, I, I think you, he might be a great head coaching candidate, but just because he brought tougher practices, doesn't, like, okay, well, he should be head coach, you know, like, there's got to be a lot of other factors, he might have all of them, I don't know, but I think there's just, you're kind of latching onto one factor that was like, this team hasn't been tough, that guy's tough, hire him, like, there should be a lot of other things that would go along with, you know, being the next head coach, to me, it's an uphill battle, if you want to hire an internal assistant at USC for the next 20 years, like, don't do that. Like, hire, yeah. I think you have to hire someone from outside the program. You've failed miserably at hiring the familiar, the already on the roster people. So you would have to know that Todd Orlando is, like, legit, like, for 100% sure um, for me to want to agree with something like that. I think you have to just, like, you know, you, you, this virus where are like, err on the side of caution a lot of times, I think you just sort of like, yeah, don't hire anyone that's already here. If you're going to make a head coaching change, he's great. I mean, I think he's a, a really good defensive coordinator. Yeah. But uh, I would say, you know, to me, being here like a year and a half, that's a a bit of a stretch.
2: I think he likes being a defensive coordinator. And there's so you have to be so above as a head coach that I think Todd Orlando enjoys the ins and outs of being a defensive coordinator, being with the defensive players too much to like that maybe. And Now, who knows? I haven't talked to him specifically about this. But also, and Steve, I mean this in the utmost respect, I think it's a little bit of damaged USC fan syndrome here because, you know, (laughs) if you've just been eating beans, Year after year, season after season, you see uh, maybe like a piece of bread, and you are like, "bread, bread is good." And yeah. so, no, let's maybe, make it the
1: main meal. Yeah,
2: <laughs> let's have a real meal, Steve. I think that will be good for you, USC fans. So, and again, this is a different athletic administration, and so it's not going to be the hey, let's pick within the litter and, and pick a new person. um I don't know that sounds bad. I didn't mean litter in like a bad way. um So, no, I think it's they're going to do things differently, and the fact that this administration pick Todd Orlando probably means that they will pick well as well. If you like Todd Orlando. Yeah.
1: And it it could very well be, it'll be. So this off season, we're going to try to do some of that lunch with a Trojan stuff that we were doing before. Is this bad? I don't remember if I had Todd Orlando on -on one-on-one. I kind of think I did. I
2: think you did.
1: I think I did. So I'm, I'm It was the
2: beginning of the pandemic. I will give you a break.
1: I'm, I'm old. I forget things, but that's a good, you know, so now that he's been around a while, like you were asking a certain line of questions and, you know, you see how uh, he's got his first spring was going, and and the installing of that kind of culture he wanted. I think he was successful in all that stuff. So that would be interesting to talk to him about. But also, like, hey, what are your you know aspirations? Like, are you want to be the defensive coordinator at USC for the next fifteen years, or you would love to be you know head coach? We know like Graham Harrell would like to be a head coach sometime. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's stuff like that. It's hard when you have a job, you have a good job. Uh, you know, you're at a top program, and you're the defensive coordinator. Yeah, I mean, you already have a really good job. Sometimes it's hard to say, well, I have a really good job, but I want that job too. You know, so yeah. you know, people look at it like, oh, he would, he's just. I'm like, no, I mean, anyone you want to move up, if you want, you, know, you have an opportunity to.
2: Yeah. We have an email from Angel who says, Hello, Trojans. I just wanted to mention that Vivai Malapai is extremely underrated considering that USC is extremely judged on the running back position. I'm feeling confident with the transfer, Keontae Ingram, and now seniors Carr and Malapai, who I mentioned. Your thoughts? Fight on, Angel.
1: Hey, Angel. Yeah. Uh, if you remember the UCLA game, there was like basically one running back that did anything, right? Like he had 100 yards and everyone else had like negative yards or something. Um, yeah. He's He's a proven commodity. And I think. I think Mike Jenks knows what he can get out of them and what he can't, and it just depends on what you want to do. The problem is the running game as a whole has suffered, and even though Vise had some you know great moments and things like that, it, I, you know I'm not saying the running game struggling is all on you know his shoulders or partially whatever. Um, you might have to change things up and do some different things. We saw Carr play well. We've seen uh, Ingram, you know. Uh, they're probably going to use more of a rotation so i think you're i think you're definitely going to see vavai in there like i it'd be hard for me to picture like a backfield where Vavai's not getting significant carries in most games he's healthy
2: yeah the keyword if he's healthy i think that's the issue is that uh he hasn't been healthy and that's hurt his development and hurt how many carries he can he can get but the thing is is i i think the coaches understand what they get for him he's a very reliable back they know that he can pass protect he can catch Um and so I mean I think I don't think he's underrated I think they're just he's consistent and reliable but he's not necessarily the flash you're gonna see if, if Keenan Kristen hits the hole you know what I mean yeah. it's he's reliable but he's not gonna give you that excitement factor necessarily he can but it's not his game If that makes sense
1: yeah if you want to do like <laughs> the food analogy like sure you're really he's like in. we'll go back to stew like he could be like an awesome beef stew i love beef stew do you ever make beef I, stew i love
2: beef stew it's beef family recipe
1: it's great oh we'll have to get it sometime maybe so you will share
2: if i'll let you yeah uh,
1: your parents like me i think right you know we'll,
2: we'll see where's it from mom's
1: side <laughs> or dad's side where is it
2: um mom's side
1: mom's side okay i think your mom likes me maybe not i don't
2: we'll answer this off right no I'm just kidding yeah uh yeah
1: so it's like you have this great beef stew Like, are you serving that uh, at Wolfgang Puck's restaurant? You know, like maybe not, but it's like, it's really good. It's awesome. It's a staple. It's there. Um, There might be some like, oh, we're all going to use, you know, white asparagus that can only be grown in like the South of Italy uh, for one month, a year. Like, okay. That's like this fancier, you know, it's like you're using a a wok instead of, uh, you know, a frying pan or something like it's, it's something a little like, you know, a little fancier do you want the flashy new thing that comes in like a, a Brandon Ingram or, you know, like a keen Kristen who can do some, some, you know, special things. It's just a little more flash, but it depends what you want out of the run game. The problem is they just need some production and you got to find, yeah. like we said with Clay McGuire, he's got to find those guys. You got a lot of tape on your new guys on Campbell uh, Ingram. Yeah, You've seen what your other guys can do. How do they mesh with this offensive line? How do they mesh with the way things are going the quarterback running back play uh, with the tight ends, all of that, I think that's going to be up to Jenks. You you need to get more production out of the run game. RJ Abadia did a really good job breaking down some of the analytics for the run game. Basically, it was like pass game good, run game bad. Like that's the, if you just want to like take the, the elevator pitch view of it. Like, what was story oh, the stories about? Although the pass game was good and the running game was not. You got to change that.
2: Yeah, and it, I mean, and I think to Angel's point, a lot of the run production was based on whether or not the back could shake the first guy that hit him because uh, he was getting his hands on the ball. And sometimes the guy was, the defender was there already, you know, just because the offensive line was so porous in that sense. So, um, but I mean, I, I think that the coaching staff understands the value that the Vi brings in because I mean, go back and see how many times he's gotten a start. He's usually the guy because I think they think he's the most well-rounded reliable back. So, yeah,
1: I think there's a stuff. I'm not a great analytics person, which, I have an engineering background. I should. I just never like. Every time someone talks about analytics, I just feel like they're like, that's like you're opening up uh, the Odyssey and you're like reading like on page 500. You start in the middle. I'm like, can you explain? Maybe back up a little bit. And I've had people like write some analytics stuff for the site. They just they just assume everyone knows all the analytical terms. Like you got to really explain some of this stuff to people. But so some of them I don't know. But I think stuff rate is one of them where they're going to credit the first four yards of a run to, like, the offensive line or something like that. So if you get tackled for a no game, they're not going to say that's the running back's fault. They're going to say the offensive line didn't get any push. Um, so I think there was a lot of that. But if that's still happening, that's going to be up to Jenks to figure out, okay, well, who's the best at avoiding the yeah. tackle in the backfield? with what you have. Yeah, who can turn the one-yard loss into a three-yard gain, which yeah. is going to help us immensely.
2: Which, back in the day, was a marquee step. Sometimes, you know, he was just that bruiser who if there was a wall, he was going to try and find a way through it, you know, and so I think in some ways, Keontae Ingram kind of makes that up a little bit because he just has an extra burst like he he pops guys on the first contact. And so I think you get you get some back with him. But yeah. Uh, it's it's a hard hard road for the running backs in not that sense. Easy. Not no. not easy. Yes, uh, we have a couple more questions. Uh, one is from our buddy Dan, class of 1962, and Oliver. Uh, he says I was impressed with the comment from Curtis of Merino Valley about the offense practicing against the BYU drop eight defense and your response about the use of the scout team for that purpose. My question would be, what is the scout team doing during spring pa- practice, and has USC scouted their opposition to know what defenses to practice and run for the coming schedule? I know that opponents can mute uh, can put in new wrinkles for each game, but most head coaches have a set offense like USC has the air raid. Why wouldn't you start practicing in the spring uh, what you're doing to face in the fall? Fight on and win. Dan, class of 1962.
1: Hey, Dan. So uh, we do call it a service team or a you know scout team, mm-hmm. but there's not like some guys that are, you know, hey, uh, call out the scout team, bring them out of the locker room. <laughs> like It's the same people that are on the field right now. They just put a black jersey on or some other jersey it's on. It's the
2: non-starters. Yeah, And so the spring is where you're really trying to get development in and you're trying to figure out your too deep. And so that's why I think in, if you listen to Todd Orlando, when he talked about it, he was like, we're really just focusing on us. And so that's why they're implementing what they need to do on defense. They're really trying to develop guys from the top to bottom on the depth chart. And then that's why fall camp. You start to have more competition. You get to the end of it. And then that's when you have the too deep, you kind of know where you stand on the roster. And from then on, it's kind of like the starters get the priority. They're going to get the most reps. They're going to get uh, the most looks of what they're going to see on Saturday. And the guys who are, sh- who are representing the looks are the second team, third team guys. So that's who comprises the scout team. So it, it's kind of like you get your time in spring. You can play as much as you want to in your position and what you're doing. And then kind of fall camp when it gets closer to the season, it's okay. You need to help your team out by mimicking a certain quarterback or this or that, you know?
1: Yeah, and it, it, Todd Orlando said this early on. He said, okay, you take over. You have all this you know, new install you want to do, but you also want to you know, say, hey, here's the culture we want. Here's what we want you to be doing. Here's the standard we want you to adhere to at practice. And he couldn't do that last fall, truncated fall camp, because you had a game coming up in a few weeks. So, Dan, to your point, that's what they had to do. They had to get ready for the next game. Yeah. And, they didn't, you know, they had an original schedule, it changed once, it changed again. But in the spring, you, you know, are you going to really get ready for San Jose State right now? Or are you trying to get ready for Notre Dame? No, like you, the most important aspect is development, is, you know, the teaching aspect of what you want fundamentalized, how you want guys to practice, putting that culture in, especially if you're trying to make a significant change and for what we've seen in the spring, there was a significant change. So yeah, this, this isn't really the time I'm, you know, if you had like back in the day, like when Miami and Florida state or whatever, I think they used to like open the season sometimes or whenever, you know, there'd be like these huge opening games. Like maybe, you know, like USC played Alabama to open the season, like, you know, a few years ago, you know, would there be like a, a period in spring practice that you were like doing a little something like get ready for Alabama thing? Like maybe, but that's like, if you have an opener against like a, perennial power like that I, yeah. you know, I don't think you're doing anything like that for san jose state uh
2: yeah i mean in the spring this is the time when you want to ins- have a really good foundation as far as techniques and fundamentals i know those are cliches but you do because you have to throw so much at your team during the season that you want to make sure your foundation is good and then you start prepping for guys and also if you start prepping for game plan in spring how much of that are they going to remember come fall camp you know it's just it it's not i think as good of a, a use of time um and and the coaches mind you are looking at tape looking at their opponents and whatnot but the, they're not installing anything in spring you know yeah. they're, they're they're always game planning and whatnot but when they choose to do it is probably more fall than spring
1: yeah like you're you're getting ready i mean if you're if i'm gonna take like a golf lesson and i'm like going to like this specific course and I'm playing it in six. I'm going to Europe this this summer and I'm going to, you know, go play some real specific course and I'm taking a lesson right now. And the guy's telling me, okay, on the third hole, you want to make sure you, you know, use less than driver. You want to get a short of the water whatever. Like I'm probably not going to remember that six months from now, but if he's working on my swing, like my basic fundamental stuff, that's something I can bring to the course six months from now. Hopefully I'm better at it. And then when you get closer to the actual round, you can get some coaching up for things like that. So I like the way they're doing it. They're they're coaching them up, you know, the fundamentals up and uh, just how you want this team to practice. And then you can, when they get ready for an opponent, you've already set the standard of what you want.
2: Yeah, exactly. Uh, we have one final question, and it's kind of a complaint <laughs> about okay. uh, the spring game from Mavenstar, who said, whoever produ- produced the Trojan spring game coverage should be fired. Viewers like me tuned in to see the game, all caps, see and watch all the new guys and returning vets, not to see labored, protracted, droning interviews with former players and others while the game is playing on sp- split screen with no play-by-play all caps guys. Uh we got to see Utah play, we got to see ASU play. There was play by play. We knew who the players were and who were making plays. The focus on the game, dipping into short interviews, not the dead opposite format inflicted on the Trojans Saturday. Typical national TV and Pac-12 network uses the opportunity to quote-unquote showcase crap coverage. <laughs> Maven even star. star.
1: Um I didn't I don't have the Pac-12 network now. I didn't get to see it. Did you watch you watched it or
2: no I, I didn't I don't have a recording and I was there live so so but I did hear from people who did watch it and they were frustrated they people, were upset. people were texting me during the game well what's happening I can't tell because they're talking to people and I was like well it's like the third string quarterback so I think you're okay but I I did hear from some fans that they were frustrated
1: yeah, I mean that's a pro I get what you're saying yeah. uh, maven star I mean you I think there's opportunities to show some of that stuff uh, if, especially if they were doing other spring games that were spring gamey i mean you know you had yogi roth there um i know uh john jackson you know the you know he was one of the the interviews um you know he's recovering uh from his stroke that he suffered a few years ago we haven't seen him really much uh but he was up there in the booth so you know they saw him and that was an opportunity they brought him in there i didn't get to see all the other ones or what was going on but yeah i would i'd this is your only opportunity to kind of watch practice. I'd like to, for them to show practice and have opportunities to do these interviews maybe not while Yeah. the game is going on. So it's yeah. just, you know, I'm not saying the Pac-12 network is terrible, but they don't always do the best job and You've that's said that before. I've said it before. But I like the people that, you know, work on it. Yeah, no. They've also laid off a ton of people that a work ton on of that people, stuff. Yes. So um, you know, guys like Yogi are just trying to juggle all the social media stuff, everything that's going on there. Yeah, there's a lot going on. But I I would be, Star, I would be frustrated, too. I'd want to see more of the game.
2: Yeah, I agree.
1: All right. Well, how long did that go? We
2: did it. I feel like it was long.
1: Yeah, we were like hour 15 minutes. Okay. Yeah, which I didn't know if I was going to pass out like halfway through or not. I'm
2: proud of you. You are here.
1: I'm here. (laughs) Uh, Again, how the sausage is made. I'm supposed to do the podcast with Champions about an hour. Oh, no. I'm not sure if that's going to happen. I think I might just. I think you you should rest. I think I'm going to rest because uh, be sitting and talking is, is a little draining, you know. And that one is a lot of talking, a lot of, you know. Yeah. Banter. I can listen to you on this one. Yeah, yeah. there's banter. I got to disagree with David you all the gotta time.
2: got to be witty. It's a whole thing. Oh,
1: man. It's just, you know, it's hard being funny all the time, Keely. You know? yeah,
2: yeah. I would assume.
1: Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't know. but I wouldn't <laughs> know, but I would assume. That was an opportunity for you to go, duh. But uh...
2: <laughs> If there's an opportunity to be self-deprecating, I'll take it.
1: <laughs> nice. Uh, all right. Well, great stuff. Thank uh, you, Ryan. We got two practices left.
2: Went by so fast.
1: It did. Uh, one we can't watch, one we can. It's on a Friday. So we should have like sort of a wrap-up report Yeah. Uh, next week. And we'll have our Tunnel Vision show Tunnel
2: vision. on Sunday night.
1: So that'll be the uh, final uh, spring practice report. And then kind of moving on through the off-season. But great questions, everyone out there. Thank you. Thank you for the reviews. Thanks for checking out Trader Joe's, our sponsor there. And thanks to Keely Yore, just crushing it as always. Really thank proud you. of my team. You're doing a, oh, doing a great job. Um, you know, Shotgun, Chris, Gerard, like all these guys. And, you know, RJ's been a nice addition helping out and everything. So thank you guys for making my life a little easier. Of so. course. Of all course. Of right.
2: course.
1: Uh, well, that's going to wrap it up. Keely Yore, I'm Ryan Abraham. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Parastyle Podcast. Hope you enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you next
0: time.